Hello, this is On The Left Side, the alternative football show, filling out the tax return of football funny and getting hit with a massive fine. This week, it's all been about the next generation of football. Not only did we see a 13-year-old Celtic wonder kid making his debut at under-20s level for Celtic, but the idea of Youth Academy was taken even further by a desperate Norwegian football manager. With his team, Norse Standard, deep in the depths of the fifth division, he came up with an ingenious way of creating the next breed of footballing talent. He made an appeal to the world's greatest footballers, such as Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Cristiano Ronaldo and Paul Gascoigne, to donate sperm that he would then use to impregnate the wives and girlfriends of his current squad, and thus genetically engineer a future team of brilliant footballers. I've no idea if anyone has yet taken him up on the offer, but I'm sure as soon as he heard the phrase impregnate another player's girlfriend, John Terry was straight on the next flight to Norway. Right, what's on this week's show? We take a trip down a milky memory lane, call the cops on terrible football, and put the boot in at Villa. But first, England's new order. England stumbled into its brave new world this weekend under the stewardship of new boss Gareth Southgate, who, despite being the grand old age of 46, still somehow looks like an awkward work experience kid whose mum's bought him a suit to do photocopying in a bank. If I was to describe England's new look in one word, that word would be meh. It turns out that Gareth Southgate's England looks a lot like Big Sam's England, which looked a lot like Roy Hodgson's England, which looked a lot like every other England team ever. As a disappointing 90 minutes of football against Malta perfectly mirrored the disappointing 15 years of football that preceded it. It was bad. In fact, the only thing I think that could possibly help England would be the entire team being implicated in the football for sale scandal and banned for the next 20 years. But it was Wayne Rooney who once again was the focus of fans' anger as he roamed around the midfield with all the direction and positional sense of a fly trying to get out of a closed window. And his performance was met with a chorus of boos from the England faithful, which didn't impress the new gaffer. I, I don't understand it. I, I've no idea how that is um, expected to help him for sure. Well, it's not expected to help him, Gaz. It's expected to work as a gentle reminder from the people that have just paid 70 quid a ticket to watch a footballer earning 300 grand a week get nutmegged by a Maltese plumber that they aren't impressed that he's still in the bloody team, mate. It was uninspiring. But if Southgate isn't the man for the England job, then who is? How about someone whose name hasn't been mentioned yet? Someone who takes no nonsense. Someone who's a warrior, a fighter, an English icon. Someone called Terry Butcher. Yep, the ex-England and ex-Chelsea defender was certainly a player who embodied the passion and commitment that fans would love to see from the current England team. And judging by his recent comments about David Luiz, also embodies how post-Brexit Britain feels about foreigners. David Luiz, I could not believe Chelsea took him. Stop pulling your socks over your bum and knees. Stop wearing this bum and this hair, this big hair and everything else and undershorts and be a defender. Those bloody foreigners, eh? With their socks and their shorts. In my day, if you didn't play completely naked with a nail sticking out of your Achilles tendon, you'd be laughed off the pitch. It's all the fault of the bloody French. Yep, that's the kind of little Englander that we need to have managing Little England. If you can't beat the other teams in England, then at least we can hold them all in complete disregard. 
with their stupid big hair. Women's football has been thrust somewhat into the limelight recently after Manchester City beat their male counterparts to the punch and won the newly formed Super League and the Continental Cup. It's impressive and that kind of winning doesn't come without sacrifice and none more so than that for manager Nick Cushing who missed the birth of his third child in order to lead the team to cup victory. The manager even said that he was so involved in the match he didn't even realise his wife had gone into labour. Now. I've written about five gags about this, and the trouble is, when you make jokes about women's football, somehow, you always end up sounding a little bit like a bad Bernard Manning tribute act. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know my favourite thing about women's football? It's when they swap shirts at the end of the game. Oh, thank you, thank you, you're too kind. You see what I mean? Still, if you think that's bad, it's not got anything on Sparta Prague, where two of their first team players were punished for making a sexist joke about a female line judge belonging at the stove by being forced to train with the ladies team. It's an interesting, if not a little patronising form of punishment. Make a joke about ladies football, be forced to play with the ladies team. It's kind of like picking a reprimand that fits the crime. And I think there's something in it. Maybe Eric Cantona should have been punished for his kung fu kick by going toe-to-toe -to -toe in a UFC bout with Michael Bisping. Joey Barton's recent gambling charges could have been evened out by making him go to manage a casino for the triads. And anyone caught up in those dodgy tax dealings should be forced to listen to a best-of album from fellow tax dodger Gary Barlow. Now that's what I call punishment. 74. Speaking of punishments, it doesn't get much worse than for the keeper of the lower league German team SV Vonderrott, who having conceded 43 goals in one match, was arrested by police and taken in for questioning, which gives a whole new meaning to the term post-match interview. Your prints were all over that scene, Sonny Jim, and we've got a witness. You are banged to rights. What have you got to say for yourself? You know, I'm just giving it 110%. The hard work's paying off and I've taken my chances and right now I'm just taking it one crime at a time. In the end, it turned out the arrest was for something completely unfootball related. So no, police aren't starting to arrest footballers for horrible on-field performances, which is something I'm sure Wayne Rooney is incredibly grateful for. It's that time of year when chairmen with itchy trigger fingers point and shoot at nervous-looking managers. Cardiff, Swansea and Aston Villa all joined in the sack race this week and handed P45s to their gaffers. For Aston Villa and Roberto Di Matteo, 123 days was apparently enough and he was sent packing by the Midlands club. And that was without the help of a dodgy Telegraph expose. Which sadly means we won't be hearing this catchy ditty anymore. Villains packed Roberto back into his Ford Mondeo and continued their proud tradition of changing managers more often than their kits, making the Italian their sixth manager in 17 months. Bad times. And it was only made worse when the football club's social media lost a fight with one of Thomas the Tank Engine's mates. 
it was Virgin Trains that really decided to lay the boot into the club on social media post-sacking by posting an image of an empty train with the caption With Roberto Di Matteo leaving, the next batch of potential Aston Villa managers have just left for Birmingham New Street. Which resulted in a severe case of Twitter hashtag Bants, or as it's otherwise known, handbags, with Villa replying would our managerial candidates actually get here for interviews on time if they replied via Virgin Trains? Who then hit back with... We've had more trains arrive on time in the last week than you've had wins in the last 12 months. Which I thought was probably a bit of an unfair comparison, until Villa ended the argument by tweeting their honours list. One European Cup, seven League Championships, seven FA Cups, five League Cups. Get back in your quiet, coach. Yep. Well done, Aston Villa. You have won more professional football tournaments than a train. Congratulations. But what about Swansea? Well, they've gone completely left field and appointed an American to manage their team. A bloody American! They call football soccer. Ex-USA and Egypt manager Bob Bobcat Bradley is now the proud manager of Swansea City. And I already love him. I love him because there is something incredibly dramatic about hearing a New Jersey accent talking about football. I mean, I mean soccer. No, I mean football. It makes it feel like a Hollywood movie. Add to that that he seems to be ripping off quotes straight out of a self-help book and suddenly his press conferences sound like the kind of motivational speech you'd expect in a Rocky movie. As you get older, what you learn is that you really understand who you are and what you're all about. No matter what your name is, you still have to earn respect. It's not given to you. The name might sound good at the beginning, but I'll tell you what, you don't come in and just get handed something. You get tested. I learned that lesson from my dad. It's all about his leadership. You're not worth much if in tough moments you look like you're afraid. You put your front foot forward. Every one of my trusted advisors and friends said, you're crazy if you go there. Listen, I believe in my work. I'm gonna prove myself. It's inspiring, isn't it? Still, at least we've got Gareth Southgate. I think all I can say is that's how good you can be. That's how good you can be. Fantastic. Oh. Never mind. If you're around my age, there is only one possible reaction when someone mentions the word milk to you. And that reaction is, ugh, milk. The person who offered you the milk must then reply, it's what Ian Rush drinks. And that's all down to one piece of 1980s advertising magic from the people who make milk. Milk, ugh. Swanny and Rush drinks, and he said if I didn't drink lots of milk, when I grow up, wouldn't it be good enough to play for Accrington Stanley? Accrington Stanley? Who are they? Exactly. This week, that particular advertising memory popped back up, courtesy of Black Cow Vodka, who have remade the ad shot for shot, and more importantly, actor for actor, and that includes the appearance of Mr. Carl Rice. Exactly. It's one of those really weird things, and... It's always stuck around no matter what I've done. You know, whether I'm plays at the National or big dramas and people are like, we don't care, just, you know, say exactly. 
it's something I'm, I'm still proud of because it's obviously you know uh, it was a it was a huge advert and people yeah. seemed to like it you know and that hence them kind of recreating it with this vodka brand. What was it like in school the day after the advert kind of had aired? Insane, man. Like it was, it was crazy. And I remember getting off with a girl who was kind of three years older than me when I was about eleven. And there we go. That's belly. what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Absolutely, kind of. Because <laughs> I was stuck in a fourteen-year-old at the age of eleven. But yeah, everyone was really cool about it. How many times, on average, do you say? the famous phrase exactly how many times do you reckon you well, have to say that in a week if you compared it to so say the amount of well, glasses of milk you drink in a week <laughs> when it was kind of out and people were recognizing me from it it was literally hundreds of times a day you know it was it was insanity <laughs> you know now you know i'm not gonna start kind of doing it for people on the street now if people recognize me from other things then i'll stop and say hello but you know i don't kind of start impersonating an eight-year-old on a James basis <laughs> anymore. Because, well, because it's weird, you know, and yeah. it's just weird. You actually sound like you're, you're quite cool with it and you're quite proud of it. You haven't developed a lactose intolerance off the back of the advert or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, completely proud of it. Completely proud of it. And like I said, it kick-started me in a career now that I'm doing very well in and that I love. Carl, you're a top man. Thank you very much for nice coming on, on the left side. And do you know what? It's beautiful to see a part of my childhood. And it was a big part of my childhood. It was so <laughs> yeah. much playground time. It's grown into something and developed into yeah. something else. But there's no way I can let you go without you doing it, my friend. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. That's it. That's all you're having, man. That's it. Because I'm getting looked at in an airport here. <laughs> going, Is he impersonating that child from 1988? <laughs> And finally, apparently everyone at Leicester City has got fed up with referring to Jamie Vardy's non-league credentials every time he touches the ball and have so delved back into the lower leagues to try and find the next rags-to-riches story. And this new talent could be in the form of Harrow Borough striker Ibrim Mita, otherwise known as The Shark, because of his predatory form in front of goal. And if you ask me, he's worth signing purely because of his nickname. The simple truth is, there aren't enough nicknames in football now. In the past, we had the likes of The Governor, Nobby, Kaiser, Gaza, Psycho. Now, nothing. I think it should be mandatory that every team has at least one player who is known solely by his playground-style alias. And I'm not alone. The crowd at Wembley apparently agreed. They gave the England players nicknames like house, overpaid wanker, and useless waste of space, you overpaid bastard wanker. And that was just Wayne Rooney. And that is it, my friends. Another roundup of the lighter side of football done for another week. Get yourself to ontheleftside.co.uk. Check out all the other stuff we do. And if you're new to the show, make sure you've subscribed and get next week's dose of football goodness as soon as it's out. Right, I'm off to drink lots of milk because that's what Ian Rush drinks. And if I don't drink lots of milk, I'll only be good enough to play a free role in England's midfield. And that's saying something. See you later. Bye. On the left side is a Pet Your Headphones production for Abrupt Audio and is written and produced by Ant Rush McGinley and Jim Salverson Stanley. Hello mate, package for you. Huh, 
I'm not expecting anything. Who's it from? It says, uh, I think that's Zoltan and Ronald Reginaldo. Oh, all right, then. I'll take it. Yeah, can, can you just sign there? Sure. Any idea what it is? I don't know, looks like milk to me. Exactly. What? You know, Ian Rush, Accrington Stanley. Right, cheers, bye. Uh-huh. Looks more like yogurt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>